if you're a good journalist, you go straight to the horse's mouth. Been hearing all this talk about the Patriot Prayer Group being depicted as white supremacists. That lasted a couple of days. Then the pushback was strong and convincing that they're not white supremacists. And even Nancy Pelosi and Dianne Feinstein had to back off of that. But the Antifa people still got to show up and beat on them or scare them out of their... uh, their various uh, gatherings. Making the claim that the Patriot Prayer Group, quote-unquote, attracts right-wing extremists to their rallies. Well, to discuss this and more, uh, let's, uh, as Jack suggested, go to the horse's mouth. It's Joey Gibson, the leader of the Patriot Prayer Group. Uh, Joey, welcome. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, fine, thank you. Hey, listen, uh, we know the answer to this question, but we want to make it uh, absolutely uh, clear to the good folks listening, what is your view of white supremacy, uh, neo-Nazism, et cetera? Well, it's pure ignorance. Um, you know, I'm, 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 what I believe in is love, you know, and in love, you don't see people's, you know, you don't see colors, you don't see any of that. So you see people's hearts and souls, and that's what's really important. Um, people who use race to further their own political agenda or to be violent or to be hateful, um, you know, I'm totally against that. And I think that, you know, this is this is 2017. You know, it's time to move on. Let's move forward. Let's let's go beyond race, gender, sexuality, all that. Do you have any idea who started the narrative that you guys are a white supremacist group? Where that where that what the genesis of that was? So, it, it, you know, we're not the only people that are doing this. Too, it's kind of been a slow process throughout the country. So, it actually started all the way back with Hillary Clinton. She came out with the alt right term. Okay, she was one of the first people to bring that in the mainstream. Um, as soon as, as soon as she did that, they started labeling all these groups that were doing, you know, cause in the beginning it started with Trump rallies. Um, they started labeling all these groups as alt-right. Um, you know, I got labeled that all the time. I guess I didn't fight back on that very much because I was kind of confused. I didn't know what it was. Right. Eventually it turned into like alt-right meant, you know, racist is what it turned into. Um, and then it was white nationalists and stuff like that. Now, I, as soon as Charlottesville happened, they immediately started calling me a white supremacist, and they started calling other groups white supremacist groups. It was almost like a coordinated effort. And so that was Raptor Charlottesville. When we went up to Seattle, a city council member said I was a white supremacist. Okay, and then, you know, that's kind of what started it. And then as we're going down to San Francisco, it was Nancy Pelosi, Feinstein. And then the media just kind of took it at face value. Lazy, they didn't do their they, yeah, just, they just, just being lazy it. and East Coasters. They just didn't take the time to figure out what was going on. That's right. So you're of Japanese-American heritage, I take it. Yeah. Although you'd prefer not to focus on that anyway. Um, so when you say they were referring to us as white supremacists, they said we were this and that. Who are you talking about? Well, it's 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 several people. It's media. It's politicians. It's also the foot soldiers at the bottom. Antifa, you know, they have this media blitz where they want to spread lies. You know, they want to spread deception about us. And so it's almost like whether it's done on purpose or not, it was almost it looked like a coordinated effort. It was right. very weird, you know, and people using the exact same language and repeating the same things over and over again. Um, and so that's that's who they are. <laughs> Joey Gibson is online. He's the leader of the Patriot Prayer Group. Well, we've established what you're not. Uh, give us the uh, give us your mission statement. Give us the first paragraph on your website. What is Patriot Prayer? Well, Patriot Prayer, you know, it's an attempt to. Um, Take on the elites, take on the establishment, take on the corruption and the deception that exists in our country today 
The problem is, is that we cannot do it by just electing the right politicians. We have to do it at a grassroots level. Okay, we have to begin to find a way to unite and to come together over a common cause. So basically the philosophy is this, is that the people at the top are trying the hardest to divide us over insignificant things, you know, right versus left or whatever. Wow. Um, all these different groups. It sounds like That's you're, I people, sound like I'm listening to our own radio show. We've been saying that for years. Go on, preach, Joey. Yes. Yeah, a lot of people have been saying that because it's logic, you know, it's just truth. And so that's how people like Nancy Pelosi is in office because I use her as an example a lot because she has no talent. She cannot inspire. She cannot motivate. (laughs) But Democrats would rather elect her than elect, you know, someone who calls himself a conservative. You know, and it goes on both sides of the aisle. And so a lot of moderate Democrats feel like they have no home right now because the, the extreme left is running the party, both the politicians and the social justice warriors, Antifa. These people are the loudest, but they don't represent the moderate left. Well, in her defense, Nancy Pelosi raises funds like Eddie Van Halen plays the guitar. She's an, a monster fundraiser. That's why she yes. is who she is. What, what do you consider yourself, yes. or do you say? Politically, yeah. I'm, I'm not conservative. Um, definitely not liberal. Um, you know, libertarians get as close as it gets, but still, you know, like, it's someone asked me a question, it's kind of like, does that take us closer to freedom or further away from freedom? Good one. So, you know, as I've often said, Joey, and, and God, please, everybody remember this. It was uh, Michael Stipe of REM. He was actually talking about sexuality, but he said labels are for soup cans. And, you know, that has stuck in my head for years and years and years. So often when you label somebody, it's, it's you know, as they'd say in court, it's more pre- it has more prejudicial value than evidentiary value. It's more misleading than it is informative. So what are you? I, I would imagine if I ask you about pot, you're one thing, immigration, another thing, uh, gay rights, yet another thing, et cetera, et cetera. Taxes. Taxes. Yeah, there's a good example. Yeah, the idea that your your tax philosophy should be on the same side of the aisle as your marijuana philosophy, but just has to be, is is crazy. It's just silly. Um, That's ignorance. So, how I I know the answer to some of the questions I'm going to ask you because I've seen you on a variety of shows. But um, so, how much contact have you actually had with Antifa? <laughs> Too much. <laughs> like, have you so. physically have you been physically uh, pushed around by Antifa? Oh, I've been I've been hit with a can in the face. I've uh, been choked out, been pepper sprayed too many times. Um, you saw what happened in Berkeley. I got beat up a little bit there. Um, you know, and that's that just comes with the territory. Um, and you know, it's nah, easy to talk it shouldn't about. come with the territory. It shouldn't come <laughs> so, with the territory of getting a permit. You have a First Amendment right to gather and talk about. I think the two parties are screwing us. That doesn't come with the territory to get choked out for that. <laughs> the police no, should stop that from happening. But, it shouldn't, but it does. If you want to do what we're doing today, then you need to be willing. If you're willing to face up to them, you know, and I'm nonviolent too, you know, so that kind of makes me a target. But it does come with the territory in today's climate because we don't have enough people speaking out against it. So basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to get the public to get enough outrage to finally stop ignoring this problem that we have on the West Coast. This is a big problem. Oh, Joey, yeah. a big jo- deal. Joey Gibson of Patriot Prayers Online. You're absolutely right, Joey. You absolutely are. If you tolerate political violence, what you get more, uh, what you get is more political violence. Hey, speaking of which, uh, I, I hear the Vancouver rally was, was pretty reasonable. Portland got crazy, as Portland always does. Do you have any thoughts on the different... Uh, methods and responses of the police in the different places you guys have demonstrated? Yeah, so that's kind of um, one of the hard things we have to deal with is you go to different spots and you're dealing with different mayors. 
Um, and then some areas are inconsistent. It's really weird. So in some of these huge cities, traditionally the mayors use the police officers, you know, as pawns in a political game. It's, it's really unfortunate. I would say most police officers want to protect us. Um, that's why they got into it. Um, but, uh, the mayor gets pressure from different, it's weird. The mayor gets pressure from their voters, from the liberal voters or, or the extreme left, you know, even Antifa. Antifa will go to the Portland mayor's house and threaten him and his family if he doesn't do what they want. Wow. So, yeah, it's really weird. So you go to a place like Vancouver, though, um, Vancouver citizens will not mess around. They will not tolerate Antifa. They will not tolerate violence. If the police stood down in Vancouver, that would be suicide for any politician, for any mayor. So, it's, see, see, it's, see, it comes down to the citizens. Like, what will the citizens put up with? And so that's that's kind of the weird thing about going to these different cities. So uh, Portland's pretty terrible then. Um, it depends. Sometimes the mayor's inconsistent. Sometimes he'll just have the police stand down. Sometimes he'll just let the police go. It's crazy. Would you think? Um, wouldn't you think when the previously incredibly cowardly? That's my words, not yours. Uh, Jesse Aragine of uh, Berkeley finally declared Antifa a gang. Well, I think a lot of his friends are going to be mad at him because those are like his best friends. So I think that, you know, for me, it was it was a win because we forced him to say that where before he was always silent. Um, but the, the the fact is, is, is he'll get what's coming to him. I mean, he's buddied up with Antifa. He's buddied up with Bam. OK. And so I, I think that a lot of these politicians are going to be exposed. Their their illegal ties, the funds that are coming into these groups. Um, it just shows, though, that, that he's afraid. Well, they all we claim the they all they all claim that they've never given any order for the police to stand down. You 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 don't believe that? Okay, so let's use logic here. So, who is the boss of the police? It's the, it's the mayor and the city council. Sure. Yeah, but the the mayor's the one that's going to put the order. Okay, so that's true. So yeah, he'll give if, the if order. The police aren't if the police aren't doing their job, then the mayor needs to put a new police chief in there that will do their job. The mayor's the one that gives the orders. Pretty good point. The higher up. If the police are not doing their, their job, we got to hold the mayor responsible. This is the problem. The mayors, the politicians, always use the police as the scapegoats, even though they're the ones in charge of them. So I'm not going to blame the police. I refuse to do that. Okay? I, I, will, I will blame an individual police officer if he goes out and like, kills someone that he wasn't supposed to. I get that. Okay? But I will not blame the police as a whole because I know that the politicians are using them. So, uh, Joey Gibson of Patriot Prayer is on the line right now. Hey, Joey, um, what they're saying now that they've realized it's ridiculous to call Patriot Prayer a white supremacist group or, or whatever, um, they're saying, well, your group attracts really bad people. Why do you think that is? Why they're saying it? Or why, why, they well, no, why do you think, uh, why do you think like extreme right groups do kind of show up and say, we're with Joey and his guys? Yeah, so there's a couple things to that. So, number one, the biggest problem we have, and, and it's starting to, now that people are starting to see the truth, it's not as much of a problem anymore. The biggest problem, and this is the biggest, big reason why I canceled San Francisco, what do you think is going to happen when all the media, Nancy Pelosi, Feinstein, are saying that we're a white supremacist group? Sure. And you don't really know us, right? And if you live in the area in San Francisco, you're like, yes, a white, if you're a white supremacist, you're like, yes, a white supremacist is coming into town. So, of course, you're going to show up. Good point. And so that's, that was the biggest problem that we had through time. We had 
there's was, there was some people who were showing up because they're like, oh, okay, I, you know, I heard that you you guys kind of are down with being racist, you know? So <clears throat> that was a problem. The second problem, there are groups who know exactly who we are, exactly what we stand for. Okay, we dealt with this um, Identity Europa. They know exactly what I stand for. They know that I'm against racism, and they know that I'm trying to build bridges with the left. So they don't like that. The extremists are extremely afraid of moderates coming together because it gives them no platform. That's what Unite the Right was. It was basically get as many, everyone on the right together to join forces so we can go to war with the left. It's that ideology. So when these groups show up, these extremist groups show up, they try to cause problems with me and the bridges that I'm building, right? So they try to come and steal your crowd, in effect, really. Absolutely. But they also, they want to be seen with me because it destroys my bridges. So they're in their minds, they think that, that if I, if I cannot build bridges with moderates, then I'm going to have to team up with the extremists in their minds, which will never happen. But it's worth pointing out then that Nancy Pelosi and Dianne Feinstein and all of the news TV news stations in San Francisco and the San Francisco Chronicle essentially recruited white supremacists and Nazis to what was originally an innocent getting together because of their ignorance. They did it on purpose. Or, or it would have been Nancy Pelosi would have loved for a bunch of racists to show up in San Francisco because she's afraid of our message, and that would have destroyed our message, right? If we had a bunch of Nazis show up, right? You know, even and if she could be a brave warrior against them, exactly, and earn that her bona fides, right? Yeah, interesting. Right. My final question: So, if when Antifa's hitting you with a stick, some guy, what is he saying to you? Get out of here, you Nazi, or what? Is... Yeah, that and other words. <laughs> Do you think they it's believe weird. you? They... It's cult-like. It's cult-like. It, they will repeat the same thing over and over again. They will cuss. They will yell. They will scream. They completely dehumanize me. That's the only way they can justify doing that. Mm. You know. But it's a big problem. I mean, and a lot of them are kids. They don't know any better. They've been taken advantage of. Um, you know. And so I'm yeah. really passionate about this. I don't hate Antifa. I don't hate the individuals. I just hate their ideology. I guess I have another question. I saw I saw you on Tucker Carlson where he said it looks to me like in the videos it's a lot of middle class white kids. Is that what you see in Antifa? All white, ninety nine point nine percent. In Berkeley, they literally chased me, Tiny, and Pete. They literally chased three brown guys right out there. It was a bunch of white kids screaming, calling us racist. So, That's so you got a world we live in. Well, that is interesting. So you got a bunch of white guys with sticks chasing minorities and beating them, and the left, at least for a while, stood up for the white guys beating down minorities with sticks. Right. It's weird. <laughs> and that is weird. It's really weird. Joey Gibson of Patriot Prayer. Uh Joey, it's it's good to talk to you. Listen, you know, good luck. Keep fighting the hate. Keep fighting the misinformation. We'll we'll do what we can to to help in the battle, but it's good to talk to you. No, I appreciate it. All right, thanks. Uh, my great journalistic hero, H.L. Mencken, here's a quote from him. The whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populace alarmed and clamorous to be led to safety by menacing it with an endless series of hobgoblins, all of them imaginary. Nancy, Diane, Ed Lee, well, the mayor of Berkeley, just to, to, if they can inflate a fake menace and fight it, they look all brave and upstanding. Of course, it's only fake at the beginning. Once you're being beaten with a stick, that's a real menace. It may have started as a fake. No, the fake menace is them claiming that Joey Gibson and his group are white supremacists.
Right, but then you get to the point you got actual so you got actual people beating you. You right. got to show up to fight back. Now you got actual people fighting. That is correct. Yeah. Wow. That is something. Uh, our text line is 415295KFTC. Any comment on that? 415295KFTC. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty show. What happened is it just came down the wind was blowing and you could see the tree right behind me just blew out the railing. And then the fork came down like that and hit right in the soffit right up there. You can see where it's just blown out. And if you look way up under there by the chimney, let me get way up there. Yeah, you can see where it just knocked that whole thing off kilter like that. The goddamn rain is coming down. That's pretty funny. No denying that. So that's a guy doing his own, uh, like, iPhone report on the hurricane. Colorful redneck hurricane theater. Knocked it off kilter! <laughs> I was leafy. couple of quick texts on our guests. As a black guy listening to Joey Gibson speak, I want to join Patriot Pair. It's a shame what has become of freedom in our country, and especially in the Bay Area. Well, he's got a multiracial group, and they have transgender folks and the rest of it, and just, it is bizarre that the politicians and news stations whipped it up as a white supremacist group. Well, I mean, it's just, well, it's it's mostly laziness and incompetence. Yeah, Joey believes... And whipping up a bugaboo for their own use, but... Joey believes they did it on purpose. I still think a lot of it was just ignorance and just not even taking the time to spend a second looking into it. Yeah, Joey, you know, uh, you cannot picture the running with the herd uh, mentality of, of media until you've lived it. It's astonishing to what extent they will question nothing but just repeat what they've heard. Somebody said Patriot Prayer Group might not, the name might not help them. It does sound like the sort of, maybe a name you'd come up with if you're a bunch of uh, rednecks who want to, uh, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Do something. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, yeah, no, I hear you, you get but name that's, your, that, that's, that's poor excuse. Oh, it's incredibly hey, poor Hey, I just excuse. came up with something. Tell me, if you, tell me if you like this. Tell me if this is okay. Tell me if this is uh, worthy of the great H.L. Mencken. The field of journalism used to draw the curious. Now it draws the pretty. Mm. I mean, especially TV journalism. I was looking at I was looking at one of the local news stories. Some poor gal found dead in a hotel. So they send this stunning 24-year-old model out to tell me about the dead lady in the hotel. <laughs> what? What is that about? I mean, I don't. I don't mind that God made her pretty and she has a symmetrical face. I don't dislike her for that. But you tell me there isn't some grizzled old old gal or guy with connections with the cops who might be able to really tell me something. Have you seen that chick on Fox who's got the book out called Pretty Powerful? Yes. She was a pageant woman her whole life and right. was missed something or other, and yeah. now she's in politics. Pretty Powerful yeah. is her book. It's it pretty makes insufferable. Want, makes me want to vomit. Yeah. She went to the law school and everything <laughs> well, for, for all her. I know, but a lot of people do Quit that. talking about your pageant days then. Yeah. Well, that was the hook <laughs> for the book. That's what the publisher wanted. <laughs> why, is, why is a 24-year-old model telling me about a dead woman in a hotel? It's hard to imagine. It's a good question. Do you know her? No. <laughs> my wife just sent me a picture she took from afar of the boys walking into school together because my Aww. kindergartner refuses to have mom walk with him anymore. So wow. He's a, At his tender age, he's already, look, I got this, all right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the kids, they were making fun of me for We got to... <laughs> We got to cut this off, Mom. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, it's not good for my look. They kept asking me, who's your date? I said, that's not my date. I got tired of it. <laughs> so the other day, we're going through the piggy banks because they both wanted to buy something. I'm trying to, 
they have different views on money and are, are, are different ways of keeping track of it. Certainly my older one, he went through, he came up with like $7 with all the birthdays and various chores that he's done for allowance money, everything like that. He had $7 he could scrape together because he leaves it laying around hmm. and his brother grabs it. So his brother had 30 bucks. Oh, oh, oh boy. Because he grabs every stray dollar he sees laying around. And in his piggy bank was a pair of my wife's earrings. <laughs> That he got out of the drawer. It's more a safe deposit pig. <laughs> so he's gathering, and you leave a you leave a dollar laying on the table. He puts it in the piggy bank, and maybe jewelry. At his age, <laughs> that's amazing. He went and got oh Laura's earrings and put them in his piggy bank. He's starting a pawn shop. I don't know who he thought was going to fence <laughs> yeah, those because really? you you need a fence. Somebody's <laughs> got to turn it into cash. Right. You can't really buy anything with it. God, you're going to go in there one day and find stock certificates. I don't know how that got in there. I don't know. Maybe the pig ate it. Some and, bearer bonds. And then his older... Yeah, exactly. He's got a gold bar in his pig. What the hell? His older brother wanted to get a, a fidget spinner, which he's already got a couple. And the five-year-old saying, do you need a fidget, another fidget spinner? You know you don't really need a fidget spinner to be happy. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Nobody wants to be lectured like that from a five-year-old. Yeah. You got to think wrong long term, brother. <laughs> Like taking mom's jewelry. Oh, oh boy. Mm. <laughs> that was hilarious. He's got seven bucks. He's got 30 and earrings. Uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? I don't know. Five-year-old walks into a pawn shop. Yeah, exactly. All right, coming up, U.N. sanctions against North Korea. Uh, North Korea already being ignored. We have got the latest. San Diego lawmakers said it's the city needs to do a lot more than power wash in the streets to deal with the Hepe outbreak. And more proof. Sitting is the new smoking. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. We just decided standing was the new sitting. This is a new new study. Oh, well. I'm crouching until I hear the final answer. No kidding. I'm going to (laughs) squat. These studies have now replaced the coffee studies, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is all coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So much good stuff. So much good stuff to talk about. USA Today with um, most degree Trump competence in handling hurricanes. I don't look to the president to handle these sorts of things necessarily, but if you don't Not handle if you don't handle them well, you get killed for it. I'll be interested in the next polls that come out between the making a deal with the Democrats right. and the handling of the hurricanes. He's almost certainly got to go up, doesn't he? We'll see. News now, Marsha Phillips. Well, so much for those tough news sanctions. Russian smugglers are reportedly already helping North Korea get around the new U.N. economic sanctions. U.S. law enforcement officials telling the Washington Post Russian entrepreneurs are using the sanctions to turn a profit, setting up front companies to conceal transactions and launder payments. Many fear the illegal shipments could provide critical aid to North Korea as the U.S. and the U.N. still try to punish the regime for their recent nuclear tests. And uh, in the case of the, I know less about the Russian deal, but in the case of the Chinese quote-unquote black market that supplies North Korea with everything they need, including hard currency, it's absolutely under the watchful eye of the Chinese government. Yeah. The idea that they're really going to help us crack down, it's just, it's silly. China! 
So the uh, the uh, front companies have already uh, set up operations, and uh, they've been going along just as they have been for quite a while. So so we're not going to call out the Chinese. Why? Because it wouldn't do any good? Well, start a big trade war, and that'd be really disruptive to the U.S. economy and the world economy. And then, so are we just going to allow them to get as many H-bombs and as great a <laughs> missiles as they want? So it would seem. It, it certainly would seem well, that way. Well, you have the, the guts were ripped out of the sanctions, the yeah. complete ban on oil, etc., by the Russians and the Chinese, and Nikki Haley was still in front of the UN saying, "These are the toughest sanctions right, ever. Right. This is a big deal." So why would she say something, knowing that she she absolutely knows what I just said? Because we're not going to go any further. It's a charade. Yeah. Um. So I honestly, please, I, I'm sorry. I'm from the Midwest. A charade. Why would I say charade? Who am I trying to kid? I think it's funny. <laughs> um. But uh, I honestly believe this, and I don't. I'm going to think... start saying charade. There you go. Yes. There you go. That mamey. I honestly believe this. No president would do it. No president is going to first strike North Korea. Um, a lot of people would die. It'd be hugely ugly. And then you'd have to make the argument throughout history that we had to do it or something bad would happen. Nobody will care about that. They'll just remember the millions dead. You you launched the aggression. But eventually, somebody, either North Korea is going to get off one of these H-bombs that is just devastating, changes the world forever, or they're going to sell it to somebody, yeah. like ISIS or Iran or somebody, and then they're going to get it off. And history is going to judge very harshly the fact that nothing was done about it. And so ultimately, it would be a good idea to first strike North Korea. I actually think that would be a good idea, but nobody would do but, it. But what do you mean first strike? What are you going to do? You're going to take out all their nuclear capability? Or are you going to take over the country? Take over the country briefly. Years long let war. Them, let them. Well, yeah. No, they got, I, they I got how many million guys under arms? They're dedicated. They're fed. I understand. It's the only people in North Korea that can get a meal. I understand. But this is going to lead to something just world-changingly catastrophic. I'm afraid you're right. I hope you're wrong. But nobody's going to do anything about it. Streets in San Diego are going to be power washed every other week, and hand washing stations are now being installed where homeless people congregate under a plan to combat a deadly outbreak of hepatitis A. Because the homeless don't wash their hands because there's just a lack of uh, sinks. Okay. Well, that's part of it. You got 16 dead people. You got to do something. San Diego City Councilwoman, though, says she wants the city to do more to deal with the outbreak in the area. Lori Zapp says the city needs to cut through the red tape and get rid of the homeless encampments along the San Diego mm-hmm. River that she believes helps continue to spread the disease. You think? County health officials say about two-thirds of those who have contracted the disease are homeless and or users of illicit drugs. So they're going to hose down quite a few areas, including Market and 16th Street, down through Commercial, with a bleach solution. That's something. Yeah, but that's that's such a close-in-the-barn-door sort of thing. you got to get rid of the crowd that is causing these problems. you just got to. Yeah, but do what with them? Go somewhere else. Spread your hepatitis. That's always my answer. Go somewhere else. We've got another new study out that says sitting for long hours can kill you. Researchers at Columbia University found that sitting for extended periods of time is a significant risk factor for all causes of death. See, that 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 just makes sense to me. So that's why all I causes of death? Buy all causes this. of death. Car wrecks, lightning bolts, <laughs> shark, <bee> attack. Sting, <laughs> shark attacks, shark attacks. <laughs> 
You sit in the water long Please. enough, and a shark oh. will get you. I'll say, including yes. sitting in the water. I get Wood it. Wood chipper accident. Um, Falling no, in a volcano. It just makes sense to me, though, that we're designed to be on our yeah. feet probably the entire day for the most part. Yeah. How many and deaths that- are caused by falls? People sitting are not killed by falls. There's no arguing that. So you eliminate that problem. So anyway, back to anthropology. Mm. We're designed to be on our feet all day? That's what I think. Yeah. You think? Anyway, the, why'd God give you an ass? Huh? The Columbia, huh? The to Colum- attach your legs to your torso? <laughs> no, to sit on. <laughs> the Columbia researchers say to counteract the deadly effects of too much sitting, you need to take what they call a movement break every half an hour, no matter how much exercise. My movement and break includes more sitting. <laughs> <laughs> No matter how much you exercise, sitting for long periods of time is a risk factor for early death. Is that what's long period of time? More than a half an hour. Four years. I don't know. <laughs> well, they're saying get up every thirty minutes. But what oh, yeah. they were That's looking no at problem. is people that, that sit during the day during a sixteen-hour day. Some of these people they looked at, and they looked at eight thousand people. Some of them sat for ten hours. Yeah, I I've never yeah. really had a cubicle job or whatever, right. but I can see how you'd you'd. You know, you get busy with stuff, and you think, geez, I haven't moved from this seat since 1 o'clock this yeah. afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Throw in a 45-minute commute each way. You're sitting yeah. each way right. on that. That's another hour and a half on top of the eight that you were already sitting. Right. I mean, it, wow. it, it adds up. I'm going to get one of those stand-up milk trucks to commute in. <laughs> Stand there with my right. cab, and maybe I'll wear one of those hats just because I like the look. <laughs> you know, you can every now and again, the post office puts uh, their old uh, trucks up for sale. I had a friend of mine who bought one for about 800 bucks. <laughs> it was... Not good, but it was fun. <laughs> At your news, I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Also, have the wheel on the wrong side. Yeah, yeah, yeah awesome. but you stand. You stand while you're driving. Yeah, we had a we had a management type around here who had a standing desk for a while, and then he put out an email says, "Does anybody want to buy my standing desk?" So I don't know what I don't Whoops. know if he got a better one or if it just didn't work out. He's lying down now, <laughs> <laughs> totally prone. Could you do that? He's got a massage table with one of those headrests. He looks down through it, and he writes down on the floor. Yeah, how about if you worked lying down? Would that be all right? I think that would probably catch up with you very quickly as well. Oh, man. Lying down. Um, so what direction are we going? Well, we got great reaction to our discussion of opioids oh, and yeah, where yeah, the yeah. pills come. Oh, my God. It's, it's like an episode of The Wire. It's like an episode of Homicide. Life on this, or what's a good crime drama lately? Well, The Wire. Why so many opioid prescriptions? Stay tuned, the Armstrong and Getty Show. Got to admit, last week when I dropped my phone and smashed the screen, I thought, sounds like a good excuse to get the new iPhone X. (laughs) Old phone's broken. What am I going to do? Well, and if you don't, they'll send the death ray from Cupertino to make your old phone run poorly anyway. <laughs> so, right. so a new uh, iPhone's supposed to get trotted out today. And Larry Maggot is in Cupertino at the Apple campus right now to report on it. Larry, how are you, sir? I'm good. You know, I have this, this idea that people around the, your listening audience are hearing what you just said and are taking a hammer to their phone so they can tell their spouse, right. hey, hon, uh, I, I, didn't, I wasn't planning on spending $1,200 for a new phone, but I have to. I just have to do it now. My phone's broken. So, so I guess Apple's thanking you for that. So you're at the new Apple building that we were just looking at pictures at that is just freaking off the charts crazy. It looks like something from Star Trek. It, it looks like a giant spaceship. I'm actually at the Steve Jobs Auditorium. I'm in the foyer right now which itself reminds me of the uh, trip to moon, uh, the moon trip in, in, from Disneyland uh, I, that I used to go on when I was a kid, just the building itself. 
and we're adjacent to this giant spaceship-like structure. Uh, it's a pretty awesome campus, to be honest. I mean, you can still smell the fertilizer and the manure uh, for the newly planted uh, trees that are around here. Uh, about an hour away, lots and lots of people milling around, waiting to see what Apple announces. Yeah, uh, we need to talk about the phone, but the architecture of the thing is amazing. The size of the courtyard, I'd like to know how many acres it is, because it's enormous. It's like a, a giant city park, but anyway. Uh, yeah, I heard 175 acres for the oh, campus itself. 175 it's acres for the Apple campus. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah That is well, astounding! And, you know, there are some shareholders saying, hey, nice $5 billion building. Hey, uh, what's up with the dividends or, or something here? Yeah, the shareholders, the shareholders have nothing to complain about. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So tell us about the, the new iPhone or phones. What should we know? Well, of course, it hasn't been announced yet, but based on what I'm hearing, and you can go to larrysworld.com and see a summary of this, uh, they're likely to introduce something that some people are going to say called the iPhone X, and the X would presumably stand for 10, of the 10th anniversary of the iPhone, and it might have a 5.8-inch display. It might have an edge-to-edge all-glass display with no bezels on top or bottom, and that means more screen real estate, not just because the phone's bigger, because they're using it more effectively. It might have a flexible OLED display. And one of the things that's getting a lot of people excited... What is, is that? Rumor, What's a flexible uh, OLED display? OLED, uh, organic light-emitting diode. It's just a much more efficient uh, kind of display, more brilliant colors. More brilliant than what it's got it's, now? Yeah, wow. It's hard, hard to imagine. And the flexible means it can just bend a little if the phone bends. I don't know. You don't want to... You don't want to bend it too much. It will break eventually. And then the other exciting aspect is a 3D sensor or camera that can see who you are and, and let the phone, let you into the phone based on your face. And it will know that it's really a person and not a photograph of a person. Uh, again, these are all rumors, but they expect that to be on this phone. And then wireless charging is another feature that some people are expecting. But that's been in a number of phones, including, including a lot of Android for a while. Right, but so they're releasing the X theoretically, and and also are there a couple other phones for poor people? Yeah, yeah, for for the rest of us, uh, there's supposed to be an an eight, which would be a lower cost phone, price closer to what we're used to paying for iPhone, probably six, seven, eight hundred dollars that range, and that would be just a, an, I would assume, uh, a lot of the bells and whistles, but smaller, and uh, you know maybe not quite as uh, well equipped. And then they may have an even lower range. I've heard as many as three phones. And then, of course, what they probably do is lower the price of the iPhone 7 uh, to try to expand the market share. Which I just bought a couple of weeks ago because I'm an idiot. Back to me. <laughs> Back to you. <laughs> Larry Maggot, CBS no News tech consultant on the line. So when does the uh, party officially begin there with the announcement? Yeah, 10 o'clock Pacific time is mm-hmm. when it starts. And it should be wrapped up by about 12.15, 12.30, so... You know, tune in uh, CBS Network, and you'll hear my reports later in the day. Hey, so what do they do on the 140-some acres since they make the stuff in China? What are they doing on all the, on all those buildings? Well, they design the stuff here. They write the software. They design the specs. They look at the various uh, technologies that go into it. There's a lot of software involved. OS, OS 10 and iOS are all written here in Cupertino, and, you know, lots and lots of uh, intellectual properties. That's really what American uh, technology is all about. It's not nuts and bolts. It's bits and bytes. Plus, that's make where our money in this country. That's where they s- store all the albums they play on iTunes. Too. They're in <laughs> Cupertino. Well, you know, every time you every time you order an album, they actually have somebody put some puts a vinyl album on the turntable. That's it. right. And holds the phone up to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
That's right. That's how it works. Larry yeah. Magan, CBS <laughs> News tech consultant. Larry, we'll look forward to uh, talking to you down the road when it actually comes out. Thanks, man. Thank you. Take care. All right. See you later. <laughs> So, you know, back in the day, General Motors used to be the most valuable company in the world. Okay, a plant. They're making cars. They know what they do. It starts there, and they add a wheel when it goes through. Now you got, what, 50 acres of somebody riding the new iOS 11. What? Are, I don't know what they're doing in there. They're all sitting at desks, desks punching at computers. Staring at the computer and typing. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean you don't know what they're doing? That's what they're doing. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of them. Okay. Uh, You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.